Say, my soul, instruct your soul. Instruct your soul. And say, my soul, be attentive to God's word this evening. Receive instruction. Receive light. Receive instruction. Receive light. Open your mouth and pray. Receive instruction and light this evening, my soul. Pray. Father, we give you praise. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for insight and understanding. Thank you for the word that you have prepared for us this evening. Lord, we give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord, as we're going to, your, to study the word briefly before we continue praying, we receive from you insight and understanding. For that special word that you have prepared for us, we receive it, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And therefore, we declare as follows. Amen. I declare... The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 I said amen. amen. That is your season, the season of understanding in the name of Jesus. Amen. The season of insight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Therefore, great insight, great revelation is your portion again today in Jesus' name. Amen. God will give you skill and understanding. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. All right, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I will say booting because it's January. The Lord is good. Uh-huh. I want us to pray, all right? We've been praying. We'll continue praying. It's our school of prayer, just that I have a habit of talking plenty. In fact, what I want to do, just remind when I'm telling you now, from next time, we'll uh, change the order a bit. The prayer at the beginning will be short, 10 minutes thereabout. And we'll do most of it afterwards so that... Uh, Understanding helps people pray better. So let's do the teaching first, and then we'll pray afterwards. But just remind me not to finish all the time talking. That's part of the problem. But let's do that from next time, okay? Yeah, let's do that. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, okay, open our, let's open our Bibles. I want to talk about pride, overcoming pride in our lives. Overcoming pride in our lives. Pride is... One of the major problems, in fact, one man of God said is the most important problem of the universe. Sin, I meant, when he was talking about uh, sin. He said, pride is number one sin. Like I said, this prayer we're going to pray, and we're going to be praying to, um, not to point to the neighbors that are proud, but to uproot pride out of our lives. It's very important. Um, where do I start this from? Okay, let's take a portion of the scriptures and read. And then we'll begin to teach. Let's first of all read from the book of Job, chapter 35. Job, chapter 35. I'm going to read from verse 9. I'll read about uh, four or five verses. Job, chapter 35. I'm reading from verse 9. He said, because of the multitude of oppressions, they cry out. They cry for help because of the arm of the mighty. But no one says, where is God, my maker? Who gives songs in the night? 
who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens. He said there they cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. He says, surely God will not listen to an empty cry. Now, of course, he has given us in context what the empty cry is about. The fact that they cry because of the multitude of oppressions and they cry for help because of the arm of the the mighty. He said, God will not listen to an empty cry, nor will the Almighty regard it. Now, please notice verse 12. They cry out, but he does not answer because of the pride of evil men. You must understand how to read the Bible in context. He was saying these people crying out are evil. Do you get my point? And he doesn't answer because these evil people have pride in them. But don't forget, these are people that are oppressed. You mustn't forget that. These are people that are oppressed. They are not the oppressors. Yet, Elihu is teaching us here that God does not listen to their cry because he regards them as evil. Now, please, you know, sometimes you seem to have a particular mission that God has given you in a particular season if you are a preacher. You understand? You keep on saying the same things again and again and again. And this is one of the things I... (laughs) One of the things I want to say, and as one of those things, I'm, I'm, I just say like as if it's an assignment I have to instruct people, the people of God correctly. God speaks different ways. And believe me, He speaks through circumstances. You know, I've heard all kinds of teachings. This teaching that just so centers on your spirit, God speaks through your spirit, God speaks through your spirit. Whether I speak through your spirit or not, it's not the issue. Are you deaf or you are not deaf? <laughs> Do you understand my point? It speaks through how you can understand. There's nothing like, look, God only speaks through your spirit. The spirit of man is regenerated, and that's how God speaks through to him. It's not true. If that was the case, why are you reading your Bible? Who's speaking to you when you are reading your Bible? I hope you're getting my point. So to tell me that God just speaks through your spirit is not true. He speaks through your these ears. Because when you're, you're sitting down here, I have, I'm supposed to be giving you the word of God. Troubles. So if you heard the word of God through the things that I'm saying, he spoke to you through your ears. I hope you're getting my point. There are different ways he speaks. Different ways. The most important thing is for us to have the heart that wants to learn, wants to hear, and obey. I've said this so many times, but I can't finish saying it. It is not the method by which you heard God that is more important, or the accuracy of the words that you supposedly heard. Is whether your heart is right or your heart is not right. The person that hears accurate words, but with a wrong heart, will still disobey through another method. I hope you're getting my point. You know, I was listening to Sadhu the other day. He was telling the story. And of course, it's not a new thing. We hear it all the time. He said, one young man wanted to marry one young lady, and so there were a lot of problems around it. So anyway, they asked him to pray that what is the will of God. He said, no, you're adults. Go and handle this matter. You know, sort it out. But they pressed him and pressed him and pressed him. Finally, he prays a prophet. And he gave him the accurate prophetic word. And that God said, no, it's not right. And if they married, their wahala would be too plenty. <laughs> and all of, that, all of that. Now, what I want to talk about is that they came to him to ask for a word, right? 
Did they obey? No. You know, love is very powerful. Emotional love I'm talking about now. The boy was in love. The girl was in love. In fact, their parents did not agree. They, they eloped. They ran away. Now, what I'm talking about is that when I was listening to him talk, I was just laughing. I said, we know these things. He said, one day a young man called him and said, if I pray, will God change his mind? <laughs> that he's going to pray so that God will change his mind. And he knew that it was a pointless exercise. So one day, after some time, I don't know how long, the man, young man called him back. Say he has fasted and prayed, and God has said yes. Once you are determined to hear yes, you will hear it. Once you are determined to hear yes, you will hear it. God speaks different ways, bear that in mind, and it is not true for people to tell me that he does not speak through circumstances. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he does. You may see a door, beautiful door, you want to pass through, God closes it. All my enemies die by fire, he closes the second one. I command to this door, open, before it was wooden. Now it has become a metal door. You are sick, I am cannibal, show, poor, poor, taller, in the name of the poor concrete. After a while, I always say any door that does not respond to the name of Jesus, now Jesus close them. If it was Satan, it will open. So people will be there kicking and kicking and kicking. <laughs> Jesus looked at Paul. Say, why are you kicking against the goods? The things they use to prop animals. Say, you can't succeed. There are things you cannot succeed against. And I've seen some, you know, you have to learn to balance doctrine. And one of the things you must pray for yourself as a believer is for God to help you understand the relevant word at the right time. Because sometimes you'll be using a word that's not relevant to fight a particular situation. They will tell you persistence. You will persistently push against a door that God has closed. Even though persistence is the right doctrine. But there are times in which it's not working. Do you get my point? What I'm trying to say is that as far as times you have to pray, so God will say, hey, wait, wait, wait. There's no need about the persistence. I closed it. This one, I closed it. And sometimes, at least, God is helping me with that. I'm not saying I'm perfect yet. I've learned to recognize those that he has closed. There was a day here, I was about to open, do something, make, take an action. And I was preaching here. Then I heard myself preach. And I heard myself say, in effect, that if God closed the door, and you want to open it by yourself, you will get into trouble. I went to and told my wife, that thing I told I wanted to do, I'm not doing again. If I give it to you, you wonder, is that really? Look, listen. What I heard that day was clear from my own preaching that God has not opened this door. So this method you want to use, here you know you are the one now carving your own door. Whatever you find there, manage it. And one time you hear the Holy Spirit tell you things like, just manage anything where your eyes see. <laughs> Please don't even want to see anything. I feel like saying this. Obedience to God is self-denial. Do you hear what I said? It is not that anytime you obey God, you will prosper. No. That's why I tell Christians, stop giving money so you will get some more. That's how to be poor in life. I know my doctrine is not popular outside, but you have come here. You must hear me by force. Stop giving money to get more. That's guaranteed to end you in poverty. If you don't want to give, don't give. 
Go away, eat your money. I know God won't be angry with you, especially. You're not the first. Many people are eating their money all by themselves. But if you want to give, give with the right heart. Know that giving is sacrifice, not an investment. If you cannot think of giving as a sacrifice, you know what I mean by sacrifice now? That is, you deny yourself. Okay, let me, let me withdraw the word sacrifice for a moment and use the one I wanted to use. Self-denial. It is self-denial. Giving is that I have, I have 1,000 naira I could spend on myself. But I won't spend it on myself. I'll spend it on somebody or something else. And my prayer to God is that that fellow will be blessed by it. My prayer to God is that that 1,000 naira that I could have spent eating will do well in the life of this person or this situation or this, you know, advancement of the word of God. In that circumstance, it will succeed. It will prosper. So I will now support my 1,000 naira with 1,000 prayers. I hope I get my point. That God may, may it have effect of 10,000 naira. May the effect not be quantifiable in money. And if I see that effect like that, I should take joy in it. It's called self-denial. It is not an investment. The one that you will say, I have given and waiting for it to come back, is madness. It is a... You know, 2020, we have to preach truth more than before. It is a lie that pastors tell to make you give. The way we've been nice. Part of the thing I wanted to teach briefly to us today is that not everybody who says it is wicked. Some of them are just confused. Many people preach what they've heard everybody else preach. They don't know the difference. Bishop this said it. Archbishop this said it. You know, this person said it. Pretty this said it. They must be right. One day I, in, 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 in my old classmates' chat group, so of course, I, once in a while I'm the topic of discussion because they call me pastor. Somebody says something about, uh, uh, no, banking does not collect title, you know, stuff like that. So one guy now private chatted me up on something on that, in that area. And his argument was that I tried to, he began to mention names. Am I saying these men are wrong? Since we're in the name business, I went and mentioned names too. My wife said, how did you know all these names? I said, Google is your friend. Yeah. <laughs> there was some I knew before, of course. But I just went into Google and collected I, I dumped names on the guys. I said, first, I just gave the guy like 20 powerful names. So you have your names, I have my names. If your names are right, my names are wrong. And how can you tell me these names are wrong too? So name, jam name, thank you. <laughs> I said, now that names have jammed names, let's drop names and go back to the Bible. Sometimes people just say things they don't know. Because everybody else is saying it. Let me tell you again, please. Giving is self-denial. It is self-denial. It's not an investment. It's not a conscious investment. That's what I mean. It's self-denial. When you want to give, make up your mind that you want to bless somebody. You want to bless a situation. You're not investing. If God decides it's an investment, that's his own issue. Let him solve it. But you can never come with a heart that I'm investing for myself. And of course, if I'm investing in somebody's life, I say, look, let me, you know, invest in your life as in, let the, the dividends be yours. Yes, it's an investment. But it's my way of storing up money for myself. No. That, like I said, it's an aside. I just dropped that. Obeying God is also like that. It doesn't always feel nice. I had to counsel with somebody just, just yesterday or two days ago. Yes, anyway, very recently, in the last two days. 
And I told the person, I said, God can solve all these problems that you are, that we are discussing. I said, but he collects payment. I, I deliberately said that, you know, you want people to be waiting for what, what will I pay God? I said, God collects his payment though. I said, do you know what his payment is? The person said, no. I said, in your case, he's demanding, I'm speaking for him now, he's demanding that you forgive all these people that hurt you badly. Now, this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking to a woman. Instantly, her head dropped, and she said, like, God. As if asked for something else. I'm not kidding. Her head just dropped like Jesus. So this is what you want to collect as payment. Now, let me add my words. She didn't say it. I'm just going to add my own words now. If for someone will bring money now, if I sow the seed, but forgive, you have asked a hard thing. I said, I'm sorry. That is the only payment in this situation he will accept. I told one or two personal stories of when this one happened when I was a very young student, first year on campus. A young guy hurt me deeply, did something, you know, oppressed me. And I made up my mind. I will show him pepper. You know what they call pepper? I will collect it and rub it into his, the apple of his eyes. Powder it and put it in his snuff. That was my plan. He was big, I was small. And I felt that that was why he did what he did against me. I said, no problem. I will show you that I may be small in body, but in mind and in wickedness, I'm a man. I will have told you what I wanted to do to him, but you will learn wickedness. (laughs) So (laughs) I will not tell you. I planned to frost. You know, you know what Al Qaeda did to America? Al Qaeda. You know what they did to America? And the whole world. That's what I was planning to do to him. Terror. Thank you. I was going to terrorize him. Osama bin Laden never planned to defeat America. He, he knew he could not. But you know what he said to them? I will make you fear. He said it. I will make you fear in your bedrooms. You know it happened. Before Osama bin Laden and co, to go to an airport, you just get there, they just, once you now you, you enter. But now, you go come, what don't you come out? <laughs> they started with shoe. Then they found that they were using belts. They said we should remove, shoe was not like there until a shoe bomber in UK. Forgot, his name just escaped me now. Ah, we started removing shoe. Then they said we should remove belt. They said, we can't drink water. We can't carry liquid onto the plane. Osama bin Laden said, yeah, I told you people with fear. In Europe right now, when you are walking, you are looking left and right. Because one guy with your kind knife, begin stab, begin stab. <laughs> they ask people who stab and don't run away. Some stab and run. Some stab and they don't run. They will stab until you shoot them. Now, let me not sit on that. But I, I felt this guy was going to terrorize him. I was going to do something like that to him. Make his life miserable. And I had it planned. And I still remember the things I was planning to do till today. That was 1980s, 86, early 86. I still remember it till today. The evil I had devised against this man. 
What he did was, I don't like Friday, Saturday, I can't remember for sure, but it was late in the week. Because Sunday came, and it was time to go to CU Fellowship by 5 o'clock Sunday evening. And you know what? Don't ask me how I knew. I was a young guy, first year on campus, but I just knew that I had to forgive him. And that if I don't forgive him, I'll be disobeying God. And because I was on my own, it was not hard to refuse. So I was about to go to fellowship, and now release fellowship, once you enter the atmosphere, spirit of forgiveness will now be pursuing you about. So I said, I'm not going. Because when you go, that's how you start forgiving. And this guy, I'm not forgiving him. I'm going to punish him. So, five o'clock, don't ask me how I found myself there. I, I was dragged there by two angels, I assume. But somebody just dragged me there. I don't know. I can't remember. I entered the place, sat down. They were doing praise worship. And I just knew what God was saying. Forgive, forgive. And like, yeah. And by the time service was over, I said, Lord, I forgive him. It was one of the most painful decisions of my young life. If I couldn't do anything, it was easy to forgive. Now I could do something. God collects payment. Too. You know, it was later on, in recent years, I looked back, and I realized it was a major test of my young life. One of the things that God said to me, all right, in effect, that is over time now, okay, is that vengeance is mine. So when you forgive people, it is not as if uh, you are saying, uh, no, what I just seen that God, I can't struggle with you on this vengeance matter. I know that I found out over time, God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And please, <laughs> the way I understand God now, if you offend me in a way that I want to leave you for God, and if I have small love for you, I will have to pray for you because I understand God. You know the God I serve? I don't know the one Pentecostal serve. The one I serve, he kills people. He's, when he wants to destroy because he wants to take vengeance, you don't want to be there. He will take a human being, mangle him to make everybody cry for one year. They will say it's devil. God says, no, it's not devil. It's me on vengeance. When I'm on vengeance patrol, don't stay in front. Collateral damage can even be bad. See, that's the God I understand, though. A God of mercy that doesn't do anything wrong, you know, it's not my God. You know, I've told you before. My own God is a God of mercy. He's also the avenging God. He's everything in one. So that's why we learn to pray. That's I have understood. Let me just tell you, children of God, if you are a child of God, don't think it excuses you from his vengeance if you make yourself an oppressor. If you are an oppressor, God will so damage and destroy you, you will hate life. Being a Christian does not excuse you. That one, I'm not talking that. Hey, do you know that is? Be an oppressor. You know that. You know who's an oppressor? You have power, and use the power against somebody, despite the fact that you know what is right, what is wrong, simply because power is on your side. You know, there are so many things we talk about when we are going on that I can easily get trapped somewhere. I learned that thing as a young person. God said, vengeance is mine. So if, if, 
if I shake my head for a person, ah, so boy, God is on your case. If that person has sense, you should be following me about. Say, please, sorry now. I will just play. Okay, what is the matter? Because if I release God on your matter, the Lord is good. You know, I've said so many things now. <laughs> I'm trying to get back to where I began from. I'm sure you are used to me now. You forgive me even before you came in here. Listen, as soon they do. So the point I'm making is that I just said, listen, God demands payment. And that's when I learned that one early in life. God said to me that in effect, you have to forgive this man. Don't worry, I will, I will handle him. I don't want to give you what I thought later was God handling the matter. I think God disciplined the guy. Except that he would never know it was because of me. I think he did. I think he added one year to his stay in university for my sake. I'd, look, I have little doubt about it. I may be wrong, but that's just my suspicion. I say, oh, you think you are an oppressor? Fine, I will give you time to oppress. Now, will you tell me how I got there? Anyway, I will just I will find my way out. So God speaks different ways. He speaks through circumstances. I hope I get my point. He does. He speaks through circumstances. Sometimes we cannot, like I said, that one of the things we learn in life is to pray for God to give us a word that is appropriate for each situation so that when God has blocked a door, we'll not be using the doctrine of patience and persistence to try and open the door that he has personally closed. That's so important. I, I wanted to introduce what I'm saying. We know we're talking about pride, right? So now, what is pride? I, just, I need to really explain that. So we read from Job chapter 35, from verse 9 to around verse 13, I want to talk about what pride is, but I think first of all, let me talk about what deception is. Deception is something you should be afraid of. I pray for myself all the time. If I think it's one of the most frequent prayers I pray for myself, and as God, please, don't let me believe a lie. Don't let me walk in darkness thinking I'm walking in the truth. Because one of the, sometimes I tell my wife we are talking, I say, okay, listen to, listen to this. Observe this person that me and you are talking about. Do you know this fellow thinks he's right? I hope you're getting my point. And we are so sure we are right. So I say, well, what about things in which I think I'm right and I'm the one that is wrong? I get scared on my own. Do you know when Paul was persecuting the church, he was sure he was right? He had no doubt. He was zealous for God. It was because of his zeal for God that he wanted to wipe out these blasphemers. So that's why I pray that prayer for myself. Say, God, I beg you, please don't let me believe a lie. And sometimes I've seen people argue, and you know this fellow is arguing out of what? Ignorance. And what the fear that comes upon me at certain times is that, please, I hope I've not argued on other matters out of what? Ignorance too. So I start praying, God, give me understanding. And I shall live like, <laughs> like David said. Deception is when you believe something, you are convinced about it to be true, but the thing is false. That is deception. So a lady in my office yesterday was kind of her baby. What's wrong with the baby? Says, not been feeling well. Then brought a bag of drugs that I went to one health center and they gave the child. As soon as I saw the drugs, I shouted, I said, yeah. So I called one of my junior colleagues. What do you think about this? He shouted, yeah. He called another colleague senior to this one. He came, who gave him the drugs? 
I said, have you seen that three doctors looked at the same drugs and shouted? He said, sir, what should I do? I said, you will discontinue it. He said, don't worry. Your child will be fine. Nothing's wrong with him. But the boy was dragging back, dragging. I said, see, see how he's still causing trouble? You know the way little boys come. <laughs> but the fellow who prescribed the drugs thought he or she was doing. So if I was an I said, which hospital did you go to? Say, no, there's one health center in their place. I said, oh. Then we change the rebuke to another one that, why didn't you just come to children's emergency in the hospital where you work? I don't know me again that a lot of people are, look, my conviction, in, at least in our country of today, 75% of money people spend on drugs is a waste. They buy drugs. Okay, you know the way people treat typhoid fever? 99% of typhoid tre- tre- fever treated in Nigeria is a, is a joke. 99%. I am not revising that figure down. I mean it. 99%. I see them all the time. You just burst into laughter. That's why the ones that said they went to lab and did tests and tested they have time have burst into laughter. The joke of the century. I just burst into laughter. Yeah, they were taking the drugs dutifully, managing the complications of the drug. What is deception? You are walking by something which you are convinced of, but the thing is a lie. One of the things we learned from Solomon, he said, anger lies where? In the bosom of fools. Here we explain then that he wasn't saying that, he wasn't describing the, the tendency to be angry. No. He was explaining that when you don't know something, you just be getting angry anyhow. What does that tell you? Most of the anger people have when it comes to governance in Nigeria, as an example, is pure foolishness. They don't even know what they are talking about and they are angry. And one of the things I want to emphasize about that, which I'm talking about, what deception is, is that many people don't know what God holds them responsible for, and they don't know how he gets angry when he comes to pray. Sometimes they get on their knees to pray, and God says, proud man, he has come. Proud woman, she has showed up again. And all this prayer you are going to pray, I will not listen to one bit of it, even though you think you are right. Now that's my emphasis for today. Even though you think you are, you actually think you are right. You are on your knees praying, God, you can see me. But God says, you are not praying it rightly. Yes, there is a situation. But in the midst of this situation, you have absolved yourself of all responsibility. And you are asking me to solve the other people. They love Nigerians when they want to pray for government. It is anger. Any power that says I will not move forward, die. And what they are thinking of is their governor or the president. And the time they heard the president was dead, they said God is answering when it was sick. They, heard, they, said, they thought God was answering their prayers. Then the man came back healthy, healthier than before. And they are wondering why? Because as far as they are concerned, they are righteous. The man is evil. And God says, if I show you who is more righteous, you'll be surprised. Let's even talk about patriotism. You'll find out he's more patriotic than you. I don't want to talk about that now. What I want to emphasize is that, meanwhile, you will kneel down and feel what? Righteous. This man is bad. I am good. And many times that's why God does not answer prayers. Because a fellow coming to pray has judged the situation and has pointed the fingers and God says, there's nothing I can do. Why? Eli who told you before, I don't listen to the cry of proud people. 
I consider the Christ empty. Let's bear this in mind. What should a believer do in that kind of situation, therefore? Don't ever judge any situation. That's why I said judge not, so you'll not be judged. When you're approaching God in every situation, just assume that you are going to be held responsible. And start from that point. You know, I started by saying God lives through circumstances. Let me tell us again about Job, which was why this man had to write this. Elihu said to speak these things to Job. When Job began to pray, when he went into his suffering, he felt absolutely certain that he was right on every account. When his friends came to comfort him, unfortunately for him, they did not know more than him. So they tried to argue on the same premise or the premises that he was using to justify himself. I don't know whether you're getting my point. They used the same premises to argue with him. So he became even more convinced. When they said to him, you must have done something wrong. He said, you all have the commandments. So show me the one I did wrong and when. Ah. He said, how can a man suffer like this and has never done anything wrong? He said, me too, I'm wondering. That's why we are here. He said, Job confessed. He said, what now? They began to count all his good deeds. There was a time we read Job 29 to show the power of good deeds. Now I read Job 29 to show the foolishness of self-righteousness. I was eyes to the blind. I was feet to the lame. The blessing of him about to press came upon me. Job itemized all the good works he did. And he ascribed all of blessings to all of them. God said, foolish, foolish Galatia. That's why we are here. This attitude of yours is why we are here. At that point in time, without even saying all of this, since beginning from Job 29, his friends all kept quiet. They were looking at him. Eli looked with all of them, left and right, said, nobody will say anything. Now, what I want you to understand is that Job felt absolutely righteous. He did not feel he was wrong, and for good reasons. He wasn't joking, he wasn't clowning. In common language or reasoning, he wasn't even proud. He was just showing you the facts. You say I'm wrong, there's no problem. Show me where. And if you can't show me where, please stop saying it. Don't just assume. Say what you know. It gets more confounding if God does not help you understand that at the beginning God himself testified. The only thing that you need to look closely at the testimony. So there was none like him amongst everybody on the earth, not in the universe. Just, just say, you look at all the men on the earth, there's none like Job. Upright. He was following God, turning away from evil. Let me stop about Job for now, to scare you. That's why I'm stopping. We could explain further, but let me stop. That if Job is not righteous, who am I? <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. Oh, just by the way, Job was wrong. Oh, he was wrong. All that is brag, brag about righteousness. God said to him, in, in, in effect, foolish boy. That is a low level of righteousness in which you have scored 100%. But that's class one. It's like a class one, you know, class one secondary school, GSS one student. Saying, I know math. I've never, fa-. and they show all his records, 100%, 100%, 100%, 100%. But this guy has never done dy dx. <laughs> and all the calculations that needed dy dx, dx, 
as far as I was concerned, they were, you know, did you do this as little child? I remember it. Okay, answer this question, all right? There's no catch, there's no catch. Don't, don't try and hide, just answer me. Five plus five? Okay, so I'm happy you are getting on with the class. Five minus three? There's no catch, there's no catch, just be bold. Five minus three? Ten minus two? Two minus ten? Uh, you were not there. When I was a little boy, two minus eight, impossible. We used to echo it in class. Were you ever there? When you were in the little classes, as you remember very well, when you say two minus eight, you say impossible. And you can imagine the older students be looking like, what is impossible about it? <laughs> no, I remember very well. We're small. They told us you couldn't de- subtract a bigger figure from a smaller one. So two minus three was impossible. So they gave it to you, you said impossible. But when you go to higher classes, they say, bros, forget that, you know, don't be, don't be orange with the count here. <laughs> Figures are on a scale. The center is zero. To the left is minus, to the right is plus. So two minus eight, you go count and backward, it's minus six. Oh, you know, you go say yes, sir. <laughs> See, a new level of righteousness has come into your life. It's a different level of righteousness. That's what they call righteousness. Suddenly you are seeing life from a different perspective. So when calamity comes upon you and you have not done anything wrong, you never say, I have not done anything wrong. Say, that which I see not, teach thou me. A different way to pray. Job did not know that. Elihu had to teach it to him. I hope you're getting my point here. So Job was wrong. Job was Absolutely wrong. So, if Job could be wrong, how many Christians are wrong today? Let's bear that in mind. If Job could be wrong, how many Christians are wrong today? No matter how much you don't feel you are responsible for a situation, God says, first of all, you want to pray, accept responsibility. Because iniquity comes in two dimensions. There's what you did and what you did not do. What you did not do comes in two dimensions again. What you knew and did not do, and what you did not even know, so did not do. You say, hey, Pastor Bank, wait. You are saying I will be held responsible for what I did not know? It's not me. It's Jesus that said it. He said, the servant that knows what to do and does not do it will be beaten with many stripes. But the one that does not know and therefore does not do it will be beaten with what? Few stripes. I said, Jesus, wait, wait, wait. Why is he being beaten at all? Not knowing in itself. It's a problem. So when we're asking, which we are going to do again, for God to open our eyes and purge us of unrighteousness and all of that, you can't stand justified. The other day I was, you know, I, I met people who were just talk, talking scripture, started by, I heard you on radio. I felt happy at a point in time. To, they say, okay, what about this? I said, I don't know. I said it with joy and gladness. And why would God do this? I say, I don't know. If I knew everything, I would have created my own universe. And I'll be God there. <laughs> so once I haven't done that, there are things I don't know. What is pride? You know, we began from what is deception? Now let's now finally get to defining that pride properly, which of course we have done it again and again. I just want to put it together. What is pride? Pride simply says, it's not me. I'm not at fault. 
Anything happening to me, whether it's wrong or right, whatever, it's not my fault. It is them. That's what pride is. Pride is sitting down and discussing Buhari all the time, APC all the time, PDP, Buruburu, all the time, as a cause of the problems in Nigeria. That is pride. Pride is, you are in the house. It is my husband's fault. That's pride. Now, have you seen, now, if you buy, okay, you don't know my husband. You see, you have confirmed what? The pride. Pride is saying, it's my wife's fault. This, this, this kind of Jezebel that I married, God said, Ahab, why are you shouting? Once you call the woman Jezebel, what are you? Ahab. You know, we will get more answers to prayers if we get on our knees and just accept the responsibilities. Even when we del- we know that, listen, this one I'm only doing because Pastor Baki said it. Because you don't feel like it at all. How can I be responsible for this responsibility of a man? How can I be responsible for the foolishness of a woman? Am I his God? Am I her God? God says, just go there, accept responsibility. Is it not amazing that it's part of intercession? That Daniel wanted to pray for Israel. Did he, he was, he said, I began to confess this, that he was confessing, confessing sins he did not commit. He was confessing sins he did not commit. Sometimes you hear me say, the things that we pastors have done, is out of discipline. You will never hear me say, the, those pastors, no. The only people I point fingers at is one that I know are not Christians. You get my point? Once it's a sin of the church, I go and check his, check my record preaching over the last many years. I always use the word we. The problem we pastors have caused. What we pass, ah, because once you start saying that I'm doing like this, God is looking at you and say, oh boy, these are the seeds of pride showing in this guy's life. So I do it deliberately. I say, as it's we pastors have caused this problem. We start preaching like this. When we preach things like this, I do the we deliberately. Because Daniel was confessing sins he did not commit. What is pride? Pride means, if I can't see it as my fault, it is not. Pride means, I know everything. I don't make mistakes. I don't have lapses in my memory. No, I don't. I have done everything that is right for the nation, for the church, for my family. I have done everything that is right. That's what pride is. Pride means if I am not prospering, it's not my fault, it's the economy. If I can't find a job, it's because there are no jobs, not because I'm lazy. Just by the way, at least I've gotten involved with people who employ, even if I don't do the employment directly. And people who come to look for work sometimes, they are unemployable. My experience is that if you, stay, if you have two job openings and 20 people apply for those two jobs, 16 out of, out of those 20, you won't give them. You will not give them. You'll be wondering, like, say, wait. <laughs> I want to just tell you a story to make you laugh. My wife was recruiting teachers. One guy came out there, they were wearing a suit. He said he teaches phonetics. So they said, where's your certificate? He said he has not got anything from school. But he has taught before, okay, where's the reference letter from where you were teaching before? He said he didn't come with any. I, you know, I, when I looked at this guy, I said he has been added to a church 
or to business training where they have told him, be confident, speak like this, speak like that. Because his confidence was frightening me. <laughs> so I said, excuse me, please. I got I said, wait, wait, excuse me. How will somebody employ you to teach you have no certificates? I'm not saying life is about certificates. But no references. You know what he said? A trial will convince you. <laughs> I said, what? I am supposed to be trying. <laughs> By the time the guy was done. Somebody needs to be on. Somebody has to be high like you to employ you. Yeah, yeah. You can't be normal and employ <laughs> Oh, the Lord is good. Oh, that's that just by the way. I'm te- I just tell young people eh, in life, make yourself employable, please. Most people are come there are no jobs. If the jobs appear, they can't do them. They can't do them. Let's not even go to the area of in, being indisciplined. You know, Nigerian school system, you'll be surprised if I say this. This is not part of my message, just by, as an aside. Do you know, when I say school system now, I mean our social system, actually breeds a lot of laziness. We don't know it. The typical student in Nigeria expects people to pay his fees. Either his father, his mother, her father, her parents, her uncle, the church. It's a, there's a demand, it's a, you know, right is my right mentality. You know, it's there. Somebody has to take it. After all, I'm not working yet. But you get to some of these countries you want to die to go to. The guy enters school, first he's looking for work. The school, some good schools will create programs by which you can work and pay your fees. And the guy is not angry with his parents for not paying him. He doesn't cross. Look, the society has made it clear that it's not your parents' responsibility to send you to university. Society gives you high school education free of charge. And that's what they owe you. They don't owe you more than that. When you finish high school, as far as they are concerned, now you're a man, now you're a woman. Take care of yourself. So if your parents money to give you money to go to university, you are grateful. But they don't have this, my right mentality. But we have it. We come out from a socialist background. We don't realize it. When the truth of life is shaking, you know, facing us. <laughs> the other day in Ondo State, when the current governor of Ondo State took office, Akredolu, uh, once, because I have a relative that's there, that was paying 30,000 naira a year in state university and school fees. And I was wondering, like, are you guys getting derivation money to fund this school? Because I couldn't understand it. My mother said, that's how it is. I said, okay, fine. I didn't see anything. Well, all right. It's easy. It's easy. It's, I mean, I'm not, I'm complaining because if it's more than that, I'll have to shell out some dough. So it's all right. As soon as this governor came in, he said, guys, sorry. There's no way I'll get that money from you. He jacked it up to 150. They carried themselves in buses and went to government house to go and protest. The man came and said, guys, better go back to school. <laughs> protest from now till tomorrow. You have a choice of two. Either close the school or you pay me 150000 Now every man that bus go back to school. <laughs> because if everybody realized that this man cannot sustain this thing, he's owing staff salaries. He's owing mo- I mean, that is, he met a state that was owing salaries for months. You know, our students were getting, paying 30000 a year as tuition. And you know, the average student thinks it's their right. He said, is, I went to, to teach him in um, one NYC camp one day. One boy actually came to me after like, uh, like, I see, what are you saying? 
So who will pay? No, no. He said something like, is, is education not a fundamental human right? <laughs> yeah, he came, that's what he asked me. I said, forget whether it's right or wrong, whatever. I said, who will pay for it? No, I realized this young man does not understand cost. It's not in his brain. As far as the concern, federal government should go inside, print more Naira, and pay for his university education. I said, well, wake up to reality. If they educated you free of charge, it's a privilege. It's not a right. Anyway, you know, I keep on saying many things. How did I get back to that? Like, I know where I was. <laughs> no, in life, you learn to be grateful. You le- learn to be grateful. For everything you have, learn to be grateful. Learn to be grateful. What I'm going to say is that, so if you can't find a job, please don't blame anybody. Who should you blame? Just blame yourself. He said, but me, I'm, I'm employable. Don't worry. I'm teaching you what today? Humility. We're overcoming what? Pride. You blame yourself. When I say blame yourself, I don't mean you get in there and be knocking your head. <laughs> Stupid me. <laughs> Foolish me. If I've done what is right, that's not what I mean by blame yourself. Please, let me make it clear. What I mean is that when you approach God, you will say to him, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Teach me what is right to do. If I have done iniquity, I will do it no more. Open your Bibles quickly. Back to that job where we were. So he said, this is how proud people pray. We're overcoming pride in our prayer. We're going to start praying in a few minutes. They pray because of the multitude of oppressions. Maybe it's oppression of economy or the oppressors of society, rich people, powerful people. They cry for help because of the arm of the mighty. Elihu said, what should they have said? Where is God my maker? In the midst of all of this, where is my God? That's what they should be focusing on. Now go back to chapter 34. Just go back a bit, uh, uh, go, go back a few verses. And I want to read from verse 31. He said, For has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement. I will not offend anymore. Please, this is important you follow. Has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement. I have borne my troubles. So I will not offend anymore. David said, before I was afflicted, what? I went astray, but now I obey your word. He said, but what if I did not disobey any word? You are saying, look at next verse, verse 32. He said, teach me that which I do not see. If I have done iniquity, I will not do it again. What does that mean? In my blindness, I may have been breaking some rules. Rules which I am breaking because I don't know they are there. Like I've said many times before, God never blesses disobedience. Even though you have ignorance as your excuse, he never blesses disobedience. He may not punish it, but he doesn't bless it. And if he needs to correct it, many times, that's where we began from, he has to use circumstances to make you ask questions. I have realized that one of the major problems of we people, especially Christians, is when we just assume we are right. I knew somebody, my wife will say, of course, when he's talking, you feel the sense of righteousness about ministry. Of course, I encountered this again and again, so it's not like one person, again and again. I've seen many times. This sense of righteousness that we are the ones preaching the truth, and that's why I come, our ministry is not growing. If we align like everybody else, the crowd will come. And the person talking, you are looking and saying, I will never come to your church, even if it's the only church in this town. 
Yeah, because of the way you behave. The way you talk, the way you treat people. And it's not because you are preaching the truth. It's because I don't think you are preaching the truth. Yet you hear people talk. That's why I never give your own pride as an excuse for anything. The reason why nobody's coming to my, 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 my shop is because I'm very principled. No, that may not be why. It may be because you are very stupid. That's why they don't come. But in your pride, you think you know what you are doing. Then business is not doing well. You blame the economy. You blame everybody but you. I have found out that one major reason we Christians are delaying the manifestation of the power of God in our lives and in our society around us is the poor attention to development of Christ's character. Not just in morals, but in excellence. Once we don't womanize, we don't steal money, and we don't tell lies. Those three things, we are perfect as far as we are concerned. I don't commit adultery. I don't lie. And I don't steal money. I am perfect. Every other thing is Buhari's fault. You know, we pray with that in mind. When we get on our knees, this country will be good. Business will improve. God, you will kill all the wicked people. And God say, hey, of which you are chief. You have only identified three areas. You don't steal. You don't commit adultery. And you don't tell lies. God says, but you are not punctual to anything. Your word is not your bond. You are one of those that will finish making maybe clothes or furniture or something for a client and say, manage and like that. And God says, you that I call to show forth my excellence. You are opening your stupid mouth and telling people, manage it. So I have diverted all your customers to a wicked man. Hoping you will just ask yourself, why? Then you turn to that wicked man and say, eh, it's because of wickedness they are coming. He's bribing them. <laughs> he gives them a cut. These people like that are promoting evil in society because they go and look at his work, look at your own. Yes, he's an adulterer, I know. He doesn't come to your church. If they forget change with him, he disappears, I know. But those are two things. Let's look at the other one. You know this guy's work and yours cannot be compared. His skill is far better than yours. That's why people, despite the fact that they know all his stupidity, they still go to him. Major reason why we have not made the progress we're supposed to make as individuals, as a church, why we have not released the power of God into our lives, our church, you know, as a group of people and into our environment, is this pride thing. We are not paying attention to development of Christ's character, both in morals and in excellence. If we get a bit of the morals right, we feel so righteous, you know. There are people who think that God should bless them because they don't steal. So God, you know everybody in my office is stealing, you know. Me, I don't steal. God said, you go there for a very long, that is, You'll be there like the same Yoruba. You take you as long as it takes palm tree to grow. I've heard that thing before. So you just stay there. The only claim to fame you have is I don't steal. You may not say it, but when you get to your knees, that's what you're thinking. God, I don't steal. Though. All the wicked people are stealing. That's why they are building houses. But you know, I will never steal. Because the guy that will never steal, Anytime he does something for somebody, he's looking at the person, whether the person will remember to give him something. He doesn't steal, though. But it's covetous. Yeah, it's true. The bobo that does not steal, the girl that does not steal, in the last 10 years, has made no improvement in this field. Assuming he or she's an accountant. In the last 10 years, you've learned no new accounting skill. 
You don't. You can't run an accounting program on on Pentium one computer. Not even to talk about a uh, Core i five. Yet you are blaming the economy. You are saying, God said, "Look, I've, I have. I am your. I have. I'm withstanding you. You ain't going anywhere." Don't better start stealing because that's the only way you get anything. <laughs> because at least if you steal now, all your righteousness will disappear. Then you will now come and pray with humility. <laughs> not that you are not stealing; it's not letting you think again. I have ten yardsticks for measurement. You pass only one, but because you get ninety percent in that one, you think I should give you ninety percent overall? No, I have failed you in every other thing. Okay, the little money you have, how are you managing it? Bring it, let us analyze it for you. You will fail in that area. Honor your father and your mother. You fail in that area. Fear of tomorrow. You fail in that area. After you see, open your mouth and say, Ah, that girl is very lucky. The man she marries is very rich. You failed in that area. You know, your value system. Because you are failing in everything. The only thing that you don't steal. Are you saying Christians should steal? Because at least if you steal, all your claim to fame will disappear. They will cannot correct you. That's what pride is. Pride means I've done it all. I'm correct. Everybody else is wrong. My business is not doing well. It's society's problem. It's dollar. Dollar conspired with pound and euro. They invited yen and Chinese yuan for the meeting to ruin my business. Forex. I did everything right. I did the projections right. I put the money. I, I did everything right. Nothing is wrong with me. It's Dollar, the chief conspirator against me. Aided by Donald Trump and Muhammad Buhari. Nigeria is my problem. I am not the problem. The other day we were in my house talking. I told Bishop, look, all this one, you, you, your, you, your friends are talking. They are talking nonsense. They stay in Canada. And where, where is it? Europe. Say they are angry. That if Nigeria was better, now we'll be back home. Yeah, if, who will make it better? You stay in Canada telling me we'll improve it. Nonsense. It's not that annoying. Need come stay over there. Then waiting for me to arrange it so he can come back. I'm your slave, Abby. Come back first. And when you hear people talk, irresponsible creatures. One day one of our brothers was talking, we're going for an alumni association. He said, ah, I'm not coming because it is not what it's supposed to be. So I said, Oga, if all of us had that attitude, how, who would make it what it's supposed to be? My alumni convention has held every year, unfailing since 1990. No, it wasn't last year. So I wasn't last year, not our 30th. Yes, last year was the 30th edition. Uninterrupted. I've not missed one. So one day some people were talking something. Pastor Curry told them, say, wait, 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 stop talking. That all this complaint you are complaining. Because I was present at that time. Some people were complaining that something we did not do right. Something he said, wait. If this guy took the same attitude the rest of you took and disappeared to all over the world, do you think you would have met anything when you come back home? Someone I said, when is what is supposed to be? This was years ago. I was like, I said, who is, who, who arrange it for you? Let's not say some things. Just get you very, very angry. Irresponsible people waiting for somebody else to arrange it. Of course, that's the attitude now. The only woman don't arrange you, so you rush there, go chop. Let's rise to our feet and pray with these things in mind. That's just the prayer I have for today. So when people talk about 2020, 2020, forget. 2020 is not changing except you change. 2020 is not changing except you do what?
When President Buhari said, change begins with me, he was speaking as a prophet. It was a prophetic word. I don't know who gave it to him, but they keyed into the spirit. Change begins with me. People were laughing. that eh, APC can't do what they are supposed to do. Did they ever promised anything apart from that change begins with each individual in this country? Then they were mistaken. No matter what you do outwardly, if the inward man is not changed, if the individuals around are not changed in large enough number, it's down the drain. Have you not seen government make roads? Some people start digging it up to pass cable. One of the things that annoy me most is just people just, just driving on the road. Just finish that day, just they just wind down onto the road. The driving just throws something out of the window. That, that's part of the wickedness we are talking about. Once my friend and I were driving, this was in Houston. I said, How come your roads are so clean? They don't throw anything out of the window. I said, Throw it first. That's why he told me, Throw it first. Police will be so happy you did it. They'll be praying you will do it. Five hundred free dollars for the for their county. He told me, throw it first. One of the things that annoys me most in our own society is the incivility of the people. I was driving out the other day, the woman just stopped in front of me and caused somebody to come. And I was behind him. And he stopped. I don't like to blast horn anyhow. But this guy so got on my nerves, I rested my whole godly weight on my horn. <laughs> So when the president said, change begins with me, change begins with you, he wasn't joking. It was his God that spoke to him. Listen, even if you're having marital problems, change begins with you. Everybody say after me, change begins with me. me. Say, change begins inside me. me. Please, you have five minutes, pray with that. Pray with that. And I want you to look, look for those situations that don't concern, that is, you don't think you are the one that's responsible. For example, you have a good certificate, you have some experience, but it's been eight months, you can't find a job. Start repenting. Say, God, forgive me for not finding a job. For the spiritual climate I've created around myself, that makes me not discover the blessing that you have kept for me. It's so important. Just assume it is you. Pray that prayer like Job said, Eli told us now. That which I do not see, teach thou me. Very important. That which I do not see, teach thou me. That which I don't see, teach me. He said, has anyone said to God, I have borne chastisement. Eight months I've been looking for this work, I've not found it. He said, Lord, I will not offend anymore. Okay, Lord, what have I done wrong? He said, teach me what I do not see. So that if I have done iniquity, I will not do it again. That is, sometimes people are walking in iniquity and they don't know. And they don't know. A friend of mine told me a story once. He went to Meduguri and they had a lot of flies. As soon as he came out of the house, flies began to follow him. Ah! He couldn't understand what. So he ran back to the house. Removed his shirt. Maybe said maybe his shirt is smelly. He changed his clothes. Wore another set of clean iron clothes. And according to him, and I made the same mistake again. 
What was it? He sprayed perfume on himself. He did not know that perfumes attract flies. As soon as he came out, they pounced on him again. Why? Because he did not know. Sometimes you think you are doing what is right, but it is the cause of your problems. Pray, say, Lord, that which I do not see, teach thou me. That's what we're talking about, overcoming pride. That's what they call overcoming pride. Things have not been working well around you. Just accept responsibility. Say, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Don't point fingers. It's because my father did not. It's because my mother did not. It's because of the people. Is this one? No, no. Say, Lord, that which I do not see, teach thou me. What I do not see, teach me. Say, Lord, that which I don't see, teach me. Let me walk in the light. So that I will not keep on walking in darkness. So that if I have done iniquity, I will not do it anymore. Sometimes it is attitude that's the problem. <laughs> there was a story Ken Hagen told one of his messages I listened to. I also in one of his books. So there was a time things were not working well for him at all. He went and prayed, God, I have obeyed you every way. And the Lord now reminded him of the scripture he was quoting. That you said, if I'm willing and obedient, I will eat the good of the land. The Holy Spirit just said, relax. Read it again. If you are willing and obedient, say you have, not be, you have been obedient, but you have not been willing. Ah, he said, instantly I became willing. <laughs> that is, he was obeying God, expecting blessings. God said, no. It's if you are willing and obedient, pray. Say, Lord, that which I do not see, teach me. You may be running a ministry. Things are working well. God said, but there's a level you are supposed to step into. But because of ignorance, you have not walked in the light that will help you walk into that level. So what do you do? You pray today. That which I do not see, teach me. Success at the level can be a problem. People are not, not living up to the level God wants them to live, in, you know, live up to. They are not having the influence they are supposed to have for God. They're not having the success and progress in that area. But they're having at a particular level, beating everybody else. Which was what happened to Job. So sometimes you may be there, you've been having problems in your business. God says, I'm shaking you to another level. That which I do not see, teach me. That prayer, you stay on it. Concerning your health, there are people eating things that are hurting them. They are taking medicine every day. Did they go back home and poison themselves again? Say, Lord, that which I do not see. I am convinced. A lot of health problems is because of bad habits. Many years ago as a student, I used to have serious back pain. Until I went for an orthopedics class in the clinic one day. And our lecturer was counseling another patient and teaching us with it. Then I realized that all my life I've been the cause of my back pain. Overnight it ended. It was my sleeping posture. I used to sleep in a manner that was bad. And the bed I was sleeping on was bad. And the solution I gave to the bad bed made it worse. I thought that if your back is pain, you put a pillow there. I didn't know that by putting a pillow there, I asked my back in the wrong way further. Say, that which I do not see, teach me. Many people are confessing I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Jesus said, I know you are healed by my stripes. But stop this bad habit. You should pray that prayer. Many people are going to be healed as a result of what I'm saying here.
There are people, think, God just said, listen, listen, you don't need this food. So I don't need to heal you of intolerance to it. Just stop eating it. And your problems will vanish. I have a personal testimony in that area. This is my little finger. This finger here. There was a time it prepared me so much I almost cried. There was a time I bandaged it to sleep. I prayed, laid hands on it. I'm not one to rush to go and be looking for medicine when I'm trained as a doctor. Because I know the divine health is real. I prayed until one day the Holy Spirit said, the way you hold your steering is the problem. Ah, Then it dawned on me that little by little I injure my finger every day. After a while, the finger will react. It will become very painful. Thank God I didn't go to see a doctor because you have said I had arthritis. That was the end of it. Change the way you hold your steering. That was it. Just changing the way I held my steering. And that pain vanished. It just began to improve that day until it disappeared entirely. Pray. Say, Lord, that which I don't see, teach me. Some people are in financial distress. God says, it is their habits, the way they handle money. Pray. Say, Lord, that which I don't see, teach me. Teach me. Many people, their relationships in different ways are breaking, they are hurting. God says, nothing is wrong with anything in your life apart from the way you use your tongue. That which I do not see, teach me. You make a joke of what is precious to other people so they don't relate with you anymore. And you are wondering, so one pastor is not telling you that you have a, what that they say? They have spiritual bad odor. Have you heard that thing before? That they have put spiritual shit on you. Say lie. God says bad mouth. Pray that prayer today. That is deliverance for the new season. That which I do not see, teach me. That which I don't see, correct me. He said, who is it that fears the Lord? He said, what will God do for the person? He will teach him in the way that he should choose. That is what you need to be taught in the way that you should choose. Pray this evening. Say, Lord, that which I don't see, teach me, correct me. Some good things I'm doing that you did not send me to do. There are people who are pastors trying to build a church. God said, hey, better close this church. And there's, no, there's nothing. Look, if after some time you realize that God is saying, no, this is not the way. Just leave it. God said, close that church. Go and do something else. That's not what I sent you to do. It's people that promoted you to that office. There are those that should go to headquarters and give them their keys. I want the pastor again. I want to obey God. What is obeying God? Like I used to be a trader. I'm going back to my shop. I was witnessing for God more in that market than inside this church. But because I brought so many people to church, they, made, they gave me a pastor, a branch, and made me a pastor. I lost my platform. Say that which I don't see, Lord, teach me. Don't feel bad. It's not demotion. Becoming a pastor is not promotion. It's a calling. The fact that you are effective in your area of ministry, that is, maybe you are, you are a businessman, like I was saying, you are meeting people and bringing them to church, does not make you a pastor. You are just a normal Christian. Bearing witness of what God has done in his or her life. Don't let any man promote you away from your destiny. They make you a pastor when you are not. Say, Lord, that which I do not see, teach me. That which I don't see, teach me. So that if I have done iniquity, I will not do it anymore. So if, I walk, if I'm walking in a manner that is not worthy of you, I will not do it anymore. 
Today we are speaking about people that are doing things that they don't know. And that is what pride is. You just think you are right. That's why I spend so much time talking about deception. What is deception? You think you are right, but you are wrong. That's why nobody should be silent here today. Thinking they are not talking to me. I am talking to you. Especially when the circumstances of your life seem to be pushing you. You are prayed about them. Uh-uh. You have called the name of the Lord upon it. He doesn't seem to be yielding. Go and pray this prayer. That which I do not know. Lord, teach me. Because even though you are a good man, a good woman, a good servant, you are bearing few stripes. But stripes are all the same. You are being flogged because of what you don't know. Why don't you just be humble? Don't say, I have done nothing wrong. Here, troubles came. No. Because like I said, there are two kinds of iniquity. There's what you did, which you are not supposed to do. But certain times, there's a new level you are supposed to walk in. You are not walking in it yet. Say, Lord, give me understanding and I shall live. Pray that prayer. Give me understanding and I shall live. Give me understanding and I shall live. Give me understanding and I shall live. Say, Lord, give me understanding and I shall live. The righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. That was what David taught us to pray. Pray this evening. Because many times we are stagnated. God says, I need to take you to a new level. For you to go to get to a new level, you need to learn new things. That was what happened to Job. He understood righteousness of the law. He understood righteousness by works. He did not understand the righteousness by faith. And God allowed the circumstances of his life to stir him up to new understanding. Say, Lord, give me understanding, I shall live. Stagnation is as bad as, you know, failure. Because if you are in the same place, you are not making progress, you are failing there too. And many times, just like Job, it's new understanding. A new level of walking. A new level of operation. Which you don't even know exists. It can be in your marriage li- married life. It can be in your business. It can be in your ministry. It can even be in your health. You don't have to be sick. Divine health is your portion in Christ Jesus. Say, Lord, the righteousness of your testimonies is everlasting. Give me understanding and I shall live. Ask God, the bread for this season. We talked about the bread for the season. When they say, give us this day our daily bread. There's a new level of oppression we are to walk in. Say, Lord, give me my bread for this season. Give us this day our daily bread. Let's begin to give the Lord thanks because he has heard us. Let's say, Lord, we thank you. Because indeed, a new season is ignited by new obedience. Thank you for obedience. Let me say something to you. God will give you on that. See, that prayer you have prayed today, he will answer every bit of it. Amen. He will answer every bit of it. Amen. And you will give the testimony. Amen. You will say, oh boy. I thought that this was how things used to be. This cost me five years. But let me just tell you, no matter the time you have wasted, what God is looking for is that correction. Once you achieve it, He gives you the back the years that the locust ate, the canker worm, the palmer worm, and He restores them double. You make progress in the next five years that it takes other people ten years minimum to make. That's what He does. That's what He does. That's what He does. 
when God wants to wipe away the memories of failure, he gives you so much, you know, progress. There is some wonder that those years I lost, they were necessary to make this progress. That's how God does it. That's one of the ways. That's the smallest method he uses for wiping away the past. People say God does not change the past. I said, not the God that I serve. The one I serve, he changes the past. I, I don't want to go into details, details now, but he changes the past. There are th- let me tell you the truth. There are things he has changed in your past. He has wiped out even the memory of them. So you can't even thank him for it because you can't remember. But there are some, he doesn't do it like that. Two years of frustration, four years of frustration, six years of frustration, then, bam, you learn the lesson. Do you know, if I ask you how many years was Hannah barren, you don't know. Do you know? Why? Because of the man, Samuel. He has wiped away all the shame that Hannah was supposed to be here for any, that we don't even know again. Whether Hannah born Samuel at 99, or 110, or 35, we don't know. Say you born Samuel, God bless you. You will born your Samuel. Amen. Once you connect with God's correction, God gives you Samuel. And many after him, that he wipes away the memory of the suffering times. You look back at those times, you'll be laughing and use them to teach lessons. People will worry that, how can you laugh about such calamities? Because things in life are not as important as the emotional effect they have on you, one, and the consequences they have on your future. Those are the two things that are important. When God rearranges those two, past events have technically been wiped away. So I'm prophesying to you, this is the word of the Lord. He will give you the correction, say amen. Amen. Now listen, grace to obey it is your portion in Jesus' name. Because you ask by faith, you have received the grace to obey in Jesus' name. And once you obey and you make that correction, every past year lost, receive the restoration in Jesus' name. Double for all those troubles. In the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, don't worry. Oh, God, pray people will understand. Don't worry. I feel like saying this. In this land, you will prosper. Amen. There was one prayer I prayed those days, and God is still answering it today. When people were making decisions left, right, and center, I went to God and said, please, one thing that must never happen, Lord, nobody should come back and look and say, we told him. Like David said, nobody should come to me and say, aha, aha, where is his God? Let me say to you, it will not happen to you. Amen. Nobody will, because of you, laugh at your faith. Amen. They are laughing now. Oh, they are laughing now. But that laughter will turn to wonder. Amen. It won't turn to sorrow. No, no. We're not asking anybody to suffer. But we are saying it will turn to wonder. Amen. One of my classmates looked at us one day and said, Man, you guys were wise. He was making decisions that guru, 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 guru. You know, they came to Enugu after he, he don't, you know, they come, somebody don't jam. He saw three of us, all classmates. We sat together somewhere in New Heaven here, four of us. He was the fourth person. He said, man, you guys were wise. The all the guru, guru, I was doing that and you guys refused to do it. He said, you were the wise ones. Because he was back to square zero. Yes. I can't give you details of the gist. Let me say to you again. God will prove himself faithful in your life. What he's just doing is aligning you properly. It may take some time, but when he has done what he's doing, he will recover for you years lost. You will open your mouth in wonder. Like the Bible says, you will say, who has begotten me all these children? That's what God does. He, He makes everybody serve you. He makes the circumstances serve you. 
He wipes away regret from your heart, from your eyes, from your face. That's what he does. He said they looked to him and they were lightened. And their faces were no longer ashamed. I'm saying to you, the shame on your face is wiped away in Jesus' name. Lift up your hands and give the Lord thanks. It's a good year for you. It's a good year for you. It's a good year for you. A year of restoration, a year of change. It's a good year for you. Let's continue to thank the Lord. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Because we have indeed humbled ourselves before him this evening by praying that prayer that the things that we are ignorant of, the things that we do not see, that he should reveal it to us. Let's thank him because if truly we pray that prayer from our hearts, God will start to you know, reveal those things to us. He will start to bring those things to our knowledge and helping us to make the necessary amendments, adjustments. Say, Lord, I thank you for your word this evening again. Thank you. Thank you. All you just want is that we'll be like you. That is all. Thank him. Thank him. Jesus, our perfect example of humility, left all his glory and came down. Just give him thanks. And say, Lord, thank you. Again, you have brought your word to us. And we give you thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. We walk in this light, Lord. We walk in this understanding daily. That as you bring correction to us, Lord, we receive it. We thank you. We thank you. Thank you for mercy that you have released upon us again. Thank you for mercy. We now know. Thank you for your mercy that is at work in us. That you've shown us your great mercy. Before now, we've pointed fingers at others. But Lord, you have, by your mercy, say, come, let me teach you.